Well, thank you very much, Spence. And it really is a pleasure for me to be here. And I always uh, get energized here. And the reason I come is for uh, getting back home and having a dose of medicine and being able to go on a little bit longer and a little bit harder. I also come on because um, it wasn't so many years ago that I was standing in your moccasins and uh, wondering uh, why I was a little bit different or a little bit funny from other, everyone else around me. I found some things a little bit easier to do than most people and some things a little harder to do. But feeling the obligation that uh, where a lot is given, a lot is expected, I wondered where my unique place in, in time, my unique time and place was for, uh, for me in the future. Doctors now can actually analyze a patient and tell who you are by a single blade of hair from your head. And that because everybody in here is unique in one particular way. The philosopher John Stuart Mills once said, you have two choices in life. You can go with the crowd or you can be distinct. If you go with the crowd, you'll end up with the crowd. If you be distinct, you may find yourself someday in some place where no one has ever been before. In order to do that, you must be distinct. In order to be distinct, you must be different. In order to be different, you must be what no one else in the world can be but you. With that bit of advice, it was uh, really interesting that uh, uh, one day in a snowy day in Salt Lake City on December 1st of uh, 1982, uh, my life sort of came together and I found out that uh, I was at the right place, I was at the right time, and it was prepared in the correct manner. And those were the ingredients that put me where I was. I studied hard, I many times didn't know where I was going or what I was doing with my special talents. I didn't know if there'd ever be a place for me. But I studied hard, I did what I had to do, and I kept my nose clean. And that was uh, why I was prepared to do what I had to do at that time. And that would be the advice that I would give you is uh, in your careers, uh, uh, go through open doors and don't close too many doors behind you and find out where you are and find out who you are and where you stand and what your unique qualities are. It's interesting to me that uh, many people have, uh, have called uh, me and the people I work with pioneers. But the two pioneers in the case are, uh, are really those four patients that got involved in this. Now, we had done many animals in our, li in our life and implanted the artificial heart in many, many animals. But we uh, got ready to implant it into a human. We looked for certain things that made the experiment a little more and a little bit more impressive and a little more personal than dealing with cows. Wilbur Wright once told his brother, Orville Wright, in 1907 that uh, he compared flying with riding a fractious horse. He said this, he said, if you're looking for perfect safety, you would do well to sit on a fence and watch the birds fly. But if you really want to know how a machine works, you must mount it and fly. Well, it wasn't too much longer that four patients mounted this machine and flew with it. Now we all ask ourselves, why do someone do that? Why would someone take that, that uh, be tethered to a machine? Why would they go through all of that? And the answers were very simple, and I think they give us an answer to our future. First of all, life was precious to every one of them. They wanted to live. 
but they had disease and they saw life going from them. They saw death coming before them. In the case of Murray Hayden, he had to sit up at night with his head between his legs in order just to breathe. I can't imagine anything worse than not being able to breathe. This is a condition these people were, and life was precious and valuable, and they wanted to do it. But probably more important to that was their other answer, and all four answered with the same second thing. They said they feel that they were dying, and their life was going from them. And in the period of two or three days, they saw themselves go from upright individuals to patients who were bedridden that couldn't even raise their head to watch television. And they said that if they're going to die, they'll accept that. But if there was something that they can do to help people after them that may die, that was important to them. Now, it is a generous man who plants an acorn, or plants a walnut seed, knowing that the walnut tree may take a hundred years to grow, and he may never have the benefit to sit and rest under its shade. And these are the courageous people that I think that I would like to uh, call the real pioneers in the cases that we had dealt with. Well, I think that uh, many people say in life uh, uh, that technology and things that are going around us are moving too fast, and we ought to stop it. And we shouldn't go any farther because we can't handle what we're doing technologically. I think that's a, a wrong argument, a wrong approach, because the human mind being what it is always raises to the, rises to the occasion that may, may exist in front of it. And if we try to settle all the problems before we actually get there, we'll not have the challenges. Medicine is where it is because strong and strange and, and so-called so strange people took the steps that they had to do uh, in spite of themselves, in spite of what other people said about their, their existence. And I think that's the thing that call that I would have for you unique people in the, in the, in the crowd. You all have an obligation uh, to put back into the world what you've taken out of the world. And I think that's a very strong calling. Now, in the case of, uh, of people who have been involved in the case of these patients and the, what they have done, uh, we also have an obligation. The people have called uh, me a pioneer, but I just put my foot in the door. The door is going to be open, and you're all expected to come in. And in the case of, uh, of, my, of my parents, we saw that uh, man going to the moon was a vision that was beyond them all. Now, in the case of my group of people, we say, well, we can make an artificial arm. We can make an artificial hand. Now we have the technology to make artificial eyes, artificial ears, artificial hearts, artificial kidneys, hip joints, arm joints, uh, eyes, breasts, anything you say, that we can make those joints. We're not to the position where we're the $6 million man where we can make you better than you are, but we can make a lot, replace a lot of your functions. And you think that that's good, and that's, that's something that's worthwhile. But talk to your little brothers that are coming after you. The most common uh, toy on the market this year was the converters or the transformers. When your little brothers said, well, if man is good with two arms, well, don't you think he'd do better with five arms? Or if he's good with feet, why doesn't he do better with jet motors or tractor treads? And the man of the future may soon be someone that looks not at all like us but it's moving in that direction. Where it will stop, nobody really knows. Some people have said that the seat of the soul and the sight of love and the uh, point of their existence was a heart. Uh, basically, the heart is just a pump. 
and that's all it is. I don't really know where it's going to stop. Sometime it will stop, and I think in all of your life you'll see some place that man has gone too far. But I think that that's, that's something that we have to handle at that particular time and at that particular place. Well, the door is open, and I pass the baton to you. I look forward to seeing what you do with the future. Thank you very much. <laughs>